Okay, then, Michael. So I was, I was keen just to have, have a bit of a conversation with you about sort of um, digital learning, distance learning, call it what, what you, what you will, um, in, in sort of physio and, and healthcare ed- education. Um, I suppose it's something that has been just on my mind. I've, I've, you know, been getting a bit involved in, in sort of some of the, uh, the discussions about distance learning within the university at um, um, Birmingham and, and sort of where where the university might want to grow some of the, the stuff that that they do there and, and it seems feels like it's been one of those things that in the in the past is it's it's almost like don't don't talk to the, the healthcare courses about this because you know obviously that's this isn't something that we're going to be able to do in relation to physio or, or in relation to nursing or whoever else it could be I've talked in the past about you know what the potential is actually for a, a kind of physio program what, what would it what would a distance learning physio program look like and I also I saw something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago now I think about a, a program in the states somewhere that sounded like it was they, they were looking for, for for someone in in a job advert who was going to sort of set up a, a again a distance learning program now I don't, I don't know any of the, the parameters of, of this but um, it felt like there was an opportunity to start a conversation here about sort of what what such a program might look like and 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 what would be you know what would appeal about it what the pitfalls might be um and and sort of you know did we feel like this was something which is a it should be a a a future area of of more interest and a sort of aspiration for healthcare courses to do 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 more of yeah um i think you know this is something that i've been interested in a while and i've I've been having an on and off conversation with people um in different places in the world uh about whether or not this might uh, be a viable option and I don't think I'm, you know, I don't think I'm fully supportive of it, but I think it's an interesting idea nonetheless and definitely an interesting conversation to have. And I think two years ago, it would have been a more difficult conversation to have, but we've just come out of a two-year-long experiment in, you know, what online physiotherapy education looks like. And, you know, one of the questions that I was asking back when we first went into lockdown and people started shifting everything online wasn't, what if this doesn't work? But what if this does work? Um, so if we find that the students that we graduated during the pandemic, you know, for all intents and purposes, are able to do the job, how would we go back to, you know, making an argument for why we should have students on campus ever? Um, and and I think that you could, you definitely have some social components of learning that I think are really important. Um, you know, students moving away from home. Um, you know, the kinds of relationships that you develop in face-to-face environments are different to the kinds of um, connections that you experience online. Um, but I think we seem to be at a point where we are close to being able to say that there's a lot that we thought we had to do face-to-face that we have been doing remotely for quite a while now. And, you know, we're still uncertain about whether or not the quality of what we've done has been equivalent. Um but I think that there are a host of other skills that students have picked up in the meantime that I wouldn't say compensate for some of the challenges we've had with kind of practical and, and clinical learning. Um, but I think that there are some additional things that students have picked up. For example, this idea of um, digital resilience. Um, so being able to manage more parts of your learning online remotely um, being more critical in terms of what resources you have access to and, and that you're using as part of your learning. I think that these are some 
useful skills that will be enormously beneficial for students uh, and new graduates when, they, when they're working in practice. So I would say that students and universities have done quite well to graduate, you know, physiotherapists, OTs, nurses, basically everyone. Um, and, and I wonder if we're at a point where we might ask seriously whether or not we could start offering physiotherapy um, in an online only way. Um, and, and I know one of the concerns that people would have would be around uh, the practical training. I think that we've done, we've progressed a lot uh, with the use of video um, to do some of that training. I know that I've, we've talked about some of the challenges with um, practical demonstrations, you know, having 60 students standing around one person who's doing the demonstration and, you know, they're trying to do a mobilization of you know, C7 and you're standing three rows deep at the foot, you know, like really? Um, and so I think that there's an enormous amount that we can do with a video that covers the practical component. I think that we would struggle with the clinical component and, you know, maybe that's something that we can push back to later and just, you know, maybe talk about theory, practical, clinical. I know it's kind of an arbitrary distinction, but, you know, I think everyone understands, you know, what theory training looks like. Um, and I, I think we'd probably agree that, you know, that part of things, that information transfer back and forth, um, you know, whether you're doing it face-to-face -face or online, like we know, we've got some fairly good ideas about what that looks like and how to do that well. I think most people don't do it well. Um, and, you know, maybe we could talk about what doing theory training online well looks like. Um, I don't know, does that seem... Yeah, is, is there anything that I've said that strikes you as being kind of completely outside the realm of possibility? So, I mean, I think there's 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 a few, there's a few jumping off points there that I'd, I'd like to come back to. Um, I, I guess uh, just to pick up on, on where, where you, you finished there, which was, I guess, around that's this the theoretical teaching and, and what that looks like online, because one of the things in in a, in a conversation that I, I was in recently was was talking about that sort of distance learning pedagogy and that if you look at how the big the big distance learning kind of platforms how they approach teaching feels to me often a bit uncomfortable that there is it it is predominantly about information transfer now the the the, the time and the investment goes into kind of the quality of the recorded material, it, which, you know, for a distant learning program is, you know, in excess of sort of some of the stuff we've cobbled together over the last couple of years, you know, so it, it's filmed where it looks professional and slick and people have a very good understanding, I think of, you know, not 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 talking for, for an hour and a half, you know, at somebody and and, and that's so it's break, it, how that information is bro broken down and, and, and chunked. But it feels like actually the, what, the, the the user expectation I, I guess on on some of on on a, on a distance learning program it, it is often steers away from some of the more collaborative discussion based approaches that you know I think we'd both advocate for in in our teaching and and is being important in, in in healthcare education and so to me it feels like okay that there's there would be a risk here that you know it's absolutely like there's loads of theoretical information that you know you learn through the course of a healthcare degree now pedagogically there's a couple of ways you can look at how you deliver that do, do you do you front load it do you do you know a load of theory theory stuff and then get on to applying it later and then get on to applying it in practice even later than than that 
but I don't that's that's not something that I, I guess I've I've been I've advocated for if anything I've advocated to to kind of try and bring some of that that clinical complexity in earlier and and the, the way that you do that is blending you know these approaches a bit more having a bit more gray having opportunities for simulation and, and things like that to come in earlier in the in the, the program make people work with cases talk through that get away from the idea of there being a correct and an incorrect answer and so now it's not to say that you we can't have conversations or we can't do things you know we can't, we can't get to those points online but my experience of seeing how you know as I say exclusively distance learning programs are built is that, that there is relatively less of of that um uh, uh, and that that may, and that that may it may be hard to do you have to move things you, you, you've often got to be people who are doing distance learning programs who that's going to appeal to are often going to be people who have got other things in their life yeah um and so you know yet they're prepared to to miss out on some of the stuff you were talking about about being on campus and and kind of you know the, the building relationships and doing those other things of like the wider university experience whatever that might be because it's about getting the qualification at the end of, you know it's 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 a it's a more transactional uh deal to some extent I, th I think I, I could be I'm not saying that for everybody but it, it feels like that's often that that's the conversation right um and so it's kind of you, you've got to people are going to have to be able to see the need and the value to engage in you know anything that is is more conversation is is more discussive is 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 more application and sort of you know critical thinking and 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 so I, as I say, I'm not saying that I don't think we can do those things online, but it feels like there's there's going to have to be some progress made in the distance learning pedagogy to to bring us up to that. Because if we tried to just sort of fit healthcare course learning into some of the the standard frameworks that that seem to exist around distance learning, that we may we, we're going to miss stuff, and and that that would feel like there's a big a big risk there. I don't know. Interesting your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um... I think when you talk about distance learning programs, are you talking about things like, you know, FutureLearn and um, you know, those kinds of platforms? Yeah, I guess that, that's where, so I, I guess the, the, these are things which I probably didn't have, hadn't had much interaction with before and I've sort of come into contact with over the last sort of six months or so in, in, in this, 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 this role. Um, uh, yeah. And that they, that they feel like it's very much kind of content you know, some activity off the back of that, but but that activity might be, you know, MCQs or an asynchronous discussion board or something, and then some more content. And, it, you know, you can sort of work your way through the content and skip some of the discussion and the the, the other things, you know, if if you want. And that, that actually a number of, a chunk, good chunk of people are going to do that um, because it, the way it's presented and positioned is that the important thing is the content and the other stuff is, you know, yeah, okay, you, you can do something yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I've done some of those courses and I just skip most of the content and I just go straight to the assessment task that I need to complete in order to get the certificate at the end. Um, so I think we can take everything that those platforms do and just throw it away, disregard it, because it's completely meaningless and definitely not fit for purpose. Um, so I don't know if you, you, you must have heard of MOOCs. Mm -hmm. so, so massive online, open online courses and FutureLearn and a lot of those platforms have been modeled on a specific type of MOOC called an XMOOC. And the original MOOCs were what you might call a connectivist MOOC. And they were far more unstructured and open, not um, situated within a, a single learning platform and mostly built around um, 
environments that, that are controlled by the, the user or the learner. So you might have a blog, I might have a YouTube channel, someone else might have a podcast. And those kind of open connectivist type MOOCs allow for a lot more of the kind of random exchange of information and ideas and discussion um, that you might expect in the kinds of approaches to learning that, that you and I might you know, support. Um, if we're going to talk about you know, setting up a physiotherapy online program that's going to follow something like FutureLearn, um, I, I would have you know, major concerns around um, the way that that's been presented. Um, I think that in order to do it well, uh, you know, you, you talked about distance learning, but you know, we need to understand that there isn't one approach to distance, distance learning, just like there isn't one approach to classroom teaching. Um, and to call distance learning is a, to say that something is distance learning, like tells you one salient piece of information about that approach. Um, so I think just like we would have a, an enormous variety of classroom and kind of ward-based learning experiences. Um, I think we will start seeing a lot more variety in terms of the kinds of learning activities that we expect students at universities to complete. Uh, and I think we know enough about online pedagogy to do that well. Um, what we can't do is look to the big platforms um, for any kind of guidance on this. I think that would be a huge mistake. So. I mean, completely agree with 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 where 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 you were going with with all of that. Um, the I guess the challenge feels like that physio and, and other healthcare courses already have a, a content obsession, right? That's that's already where how most people approach kind of what what needs to be in a program and 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 what you know what does someone need to have covered in order to become a physio, um, and so like the the ability of institutions to kind of embrace you know what you're just discussing there and taking an approach that isn't content-led with some activities that are sort of attached on the back of that that content um and to to have that that sort of the 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 the, the lack of structure and the and the the, the freedom to for people to sort of navigate through that in in different ways you know it is that a barrier? Does it feel like that? Do you feel like we are? We, there's there are there are sufficient there's sufficient kind of I don't know um, knowledge, ability, skills you know within within people out there to 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 do this at institutional levels at this point? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's a couple of things to to maybe talk about. Um, so if we use the online environment to reproduce that. Kind of content obsession that we have in you know traditional programs we're going to get to the point where what we're doing online it mirrors what we're doing face to face so maybe we could argue that at the very least we're not doing anything worse so to move online we might make an argument that this uh, increases efficiency because you know the distribution of content um, is so much easier online um, so Maybe we could say that even if we just move online and reproduce the really bad practices that we're seeing in, in universities, maybe that in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's just, it's the same thing. Um, I, I don't think that universities are going to adapt uh, or, or even programs within universities are going to all of a sudden switch to the kinds of 
kind of open-ended um, problem-based uh, approaches that I think would do well in online environments, uh, which is why I think we need to start a private physiotherapy school. Because there's no way that you're going to be able to walk into a physiotherapy department or a faculty and say, right, we are now going to transition everything that you know how to do and start doing something that's going to make everyone, including the students, feel super uncomfortable. Um, and so I think that if programs start offering online, um, you know, start offering a significant portion of the program online, I think it's probably going to mirror the kinds of approaches that we see with you know, platforms like FutureLearn. I think that we will see private programs springing up that offer an alternative, and they will be probably based on kind of startup thinking. And um, so more flexible, more agile, um, you know, a, a different mindset to the way that we traditionally think about uh, education. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we might come back to that in, in a bit. One of the other things I wanted to pick up on, you know, from, from where you were talking before was, was around the, the obviously the, 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 the sort of practical learning, which is, I guess would, would be the, you know, the, the, the immediate concern that would spring to most people's minds listening to this, you, you know, obviously you can't do that online. And certainly the, the, from, from what I hear from the conversations, from, from feedback that has come through in the last couple of years, both from students, clinical educators, you know, about that transition into practice is that there has, there has been a deficit in, in where students are at, um, in the cohorts that have been working their way through, you know, the, the courses over, over the last couple of years, because they've not had the same exposure to just time it in, in a, just, you know, and, and for me, this isn't about, Again, this isn't content, but this isn't like the students haven't haven't had the ability, haven't 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 covered, you know, the the correct ACL assessments. They've not they've not you know learned how to do a Lachman's, or they've not you know not learned how to do a mobilization of the cervical spine, or or they've not learned how to to to, to handle somebody who's doing sit to stand in, in rehab. It's not about that. I think where I've come where where what's been interesting for me, you know, kind of picking up on on on, on other modules, doing some teaching around um, anatomy that you know is out of my sort of clinical comfort zone, is just appreciating actually for early stages in the program how important it is for in in terms of the the transformative learning that students go through to just be get to the point where you're just comfortable, you know, touching people and <laughs> touching limbs and moving people around and you know the closest that you might have and, 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 and how, and how that, that works. And that there's no, there's, there's not an easy way. There's not an easy route to that. You know, it, it does just come through. And that, so the fact that we, we have lots of content and we, and we teach lots of specific tests is a useful thing. I, I, I think, I think I got to the point where I feel it's a more useful thing now than I used to think it was because it just means that we're reinforcing the key learning, which is about, you know, how, how to think about you yourself in relation to somebody else when you're in physical contact with them. Um, and that, that would be something that's obviously something that's very different. You can't do in, in a, in an online environment. We can't do that over zoom right now. Now, you so that see it feels like there's a couple of options there. either you, you try and you know it's up to the person to find people that they can be doing those things on in the environment near to them 
but that's inherently different because I could practice stuff on like my kids or my partner or whatever at home, but I'm all, I don't have it, that. I, that's not transformative learning for me to, to, to learn how to be, have close physical contact with, with, with my kids, you know, but it would be transformative learning for me to learn how to have close physical contact to someone who I've never met before, who's just walked in, in the room, who's, you know, angry and upset and, you know, in pain and whatever else it, it, it might be. So kind of, yeah, how, it, like it, it feels, it feels like the the the, potent, the potential ways you, you could do that is that you 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 can you never you can never have a, a fully distant a fully distance learning program. But what you end up having to have is you know a, a a hybrid program that has significant chunks of stuff online, and then you come together for more intensive periods of doing practical stuff. And it, but then is the downside to that that what you miss then potentially is is the, or the the easy thing to fall into is to see that as is again being quite content focused and what you don't have is the drip 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 of just getting used to, you know, being with different people and handling different people you know week in week out practical in practical out module in module out that you get across a pre registration program normally. Yeah, um, so I think again there's a, a couple of things that you talked about there, um, but the one thing that stood out for me was the idea that um, the peers in your class, in your cohort, are so kind of foreign that it's going to be awkward and unusual to, to be handling them um, in a way that would be more uncomfortable than if you were you know, asking your kids to do it. Um, and, and I remember that experience. For the first week, it was really uncomfortable um, having to undress, <clears throat> having to ask peers to undress. But after the first week, like everyone just stopped caring and you know being in that kind of state of undress amongst each other was as comfortable as being around your family members so I think that initial feeling of um, you know discomfort I think that fades really quickly um, so I'm not sure that there's anything special about doing these things on your peers and needing to get together periodically or even um, you know intermittently in that kind of drip 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 um, approach that you suggested um, but I do agree that there's something that um, would be missing from a program if the only time you ever practiced was with your close friends and family members. Um, and, and so I'm not quite sure how we would get around that problem. But I, I think that there's nothing, there's nothing inherent to that problem that makes it unsolvable. It's just something that we haven't really thought about very much. And it may be that our solutions in response to the pandemic were quick and you know, not particularly useful. So in, in our program, we were just telling students like, you're living with people, just practice on those people. And we know that that isn't an optimal solution. But I think that if we decided that a, a, a true distance learning program that was going to be completely remote, uh, I think if we decided that that was the way to go, then we would find ways to solve the problem that you just raised, which I think is a legitimate problem and I don't think I have a good solution. Is is the solution? Do, do you have to go, do we have to take a couple of steps back and think about the the, the overall program architecture and, and approach that we're taking? So, let's say for example, because I know um, at um, Lincoln, I think they've got a, a physio apprenticeship program, right? So there's physio pre-registration apprenticeships now in in, in a, a couple of places in in the um, UK. Does this does the distance learning model fit relatively neatly alongside something like that so you've got people who are employed and working as physio assistants 
three days a week. Our physio students in in that the place where they're employed for another couple of days a week doing distance learning that fits in around that work anyway, and have that access then to both colleagues, potentially other people training on the program with them within the organization and patients. And actually does this, does this address like, because I, I, you know, the, the way I was talking before, you might think that I, I think that, that it, it's fantastic to practice on peers. And, and I don't think it is fantastic to practice on peers. You know, I think particularly for things like um, neurological rehab, like a lot of the time it's entirely pointless practicing on peers. It, it doesn't replicate anything that, that you're going to experience in, in practice. And, and so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm in, in some ways would be in favor of, of doing much less practical, but, but being able to replace that with, you know, something better and 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 in many ways we're restricted in in an in-person you know traditional program with replacing it with something with something better because we've you know we have big cohort sizes and you know we've we're on campus we've got practice rooms we, we, you can't get you know sufficient patient contact to to kind of to, to be able to strip that out but again in an apprenticeship model you have got that and you can do that and so it's much more about kind of doing you know doing something trying it out coming back reflecting on 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 that and and you know then then you've got technological solutions like you know having a head camera on whilst you're doing some of this stuff so that you know somebody joining from outside can see what you're seeing how your communication is going what what you're doing and then provide feedback on on there and and so it, it ends up potentially there's we we gain something from it being distance learning and online because we're able to in reach into a clinical environment much more than we can when we're in a classroom on a university campus um but it, that requires it's like a it's a wholesale you know a wholesale change of of how how, how you do it and and so to i don't know but to me looking at the, the sorts of programs that are, are out there which ones are would be most would could you envisage this working most simply and so for in in a pre-registration curriculum for me it's the apprenticeship model the other side of that i think is in a postgraduate setting so if you're doing a, a postgraduate post-qualification masters in whatever whether it's um, msk neuro but you've got you're now talking about people who are more experienced clinicians who are working again in in the main doing something part-time then the distance learning model fits much more neatly into you know that the, the thing that they're having to balance because they're going to have work they may well have you know caring commitments and family and all of those other stuff going going on as well and you can then be doing stuff in practice and you know again we've we maybe have to shift our comfort with you know filming and recording and you know having people observing from a distance what's going on in um clinic so there's you know there's some expectations shifts that might need to take place there around clinical educators patients you, you know services to to allow that to happen but again there could be a real strength in, in that actually and so you know yeah to that, that that's the other the, the other sort of side of it I, I guess that in my head has been like if if there's anywhere where actually within the existing institutions that we have you could see somebody going for this model it, it could be a stronger model of practice than we have currently with some of that postgrad um so yeah i don't know any thoughts on on any of that not really um it sounds it sounds brilliant um and i think the one of the advantages of that which you touched on is that you're using online and remote learning for what it's good for and not trying to substitute um you know the things that face-to-face -face are good with with um online which you know is probably going to be a, a lesser experience so we using technology for what it's good for 
to solve a problem that um, we're experiencing at the moment in, in the program, getting all these people who have these additional commitments and, you know, in some cases, full-time jobs, now they have to come into the university. Um, and it, it may be that there's a significant chunk of what they need to be doing that can be done remotely um, and it can be more flexible so that it fits in better with, uh, you know, their, their regular lives. I, I think it sounds great. And if, if we're talking about kind of supplementing existing programs within traditional um, institutions, then I think what you've just described sounds perfect. And it seems like such a natural fit um, to, to take out some of what we are doing face-to-face -face now and, um, you know, a, a literal substitution. Um, but then I think, you know, I think initially when we started talking, I, I was focused more on whether or not you could be a completely online physiotherapy program. And, and that suffers from this very real problem of, I, I don't know if the practical skills are, are such a big issue because as you mentioned, there's so much content that's available. We, we can provide the content that students need to, to learn about practical skills. But I do think that the, the actual practice um, of those skills, I think is, is a significant challenge. And then the, and then the clinical program, it, part of it is, is even more of a challenge. But what you've just described now, I think, you know, I don't see any good reason why you wouldn't be able to implement that tomorrow. Yeah, so I think, you know, the, 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 particularly because in both of those settings, or both of those um, scenarios with the apprenticeship or the postgrad, you're not, the, there is not the same requirement around placements. Like it's, in, it's inherent that people are, all, are they're employees and so they have a workplace and, 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 and access to those things. Whereas, and, and obviously there are some things in the apprenticeship that you still would need to be, you still need to be able to provide alternative place, some alternative placement outside of the employer. And, and I do think that that's a really important thing to have in the apprenticeship model so that it's, you know, you, you're getting some exposure to, to other, uh, other sort of um, settings and trusts and, and maybe ways of, of, of practicing. Um, but that again, if we think about what the strengths of the DL option might give us, is that this can be international as well, right? So you know what you you can it can it can check it can totally generate a degree of of insight and exposure to practice in very different settings because the cohort doesn't need to be anchored into one country. Now that would raise that may well raise a whole load of challenges around you know the 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 oversight and you know like what the 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 what the, the quality processes are who's accrediting you know such, such a thing but I guess there'd be a home institution it would be accredited within that but whether or not you know people are able to to then do the elements of practice in different countries that, that fit, fit in with that that's but again it, it feels like these are things these are going to be increasing tensions in the profession because what you know, in just the same way that we, as 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 more consultations and 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 practice moves online or has the option of being online for some people, it it's surely going to um, follow that people are going to start to 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 see physios who aren't in the same physical location as them, that who are, who are operating out of a different country for lower costs and other re, you know or or access to particular um, you know individuals or people with particular um, specialism, and so. You know, again, there's there are some regulatory hurdles there, or, or, or some shifts in thinking that maybe need to happen um, to get people comfortable. But if the if that's happening in practice, and it feels to me like it it surely must, um, then education will be brought along with with that, and and that maybe some of the things that 
you know, would be a barrier now might not be in another 10 years or whatever, um, in, in terms of how, you know, how, how you could avoid roadblocks to this sort of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think before you looked internationally, you, you could even start just looking locally. Um, if, if your institution is the one that provides a distance learning component to an apprenticeship program, and I live in a different city, and I don't have to, you know, move my family or, or you know, give up parts of my work to, to go into um, the, the university. You know, I could be living and working in London and taking a program in you know, Lincoln. Um, so I think just to, to start off with, you might start offering those, um, uh, the, the distance learning components within your own country. But then, you know, the, the UK has already accredited um, physiotherapy programs from other countries. Um, so, you know, that's what allows people to come into the country and just start practicing without having to, you know, redo exams. So, you know, potentially you start off by taking in uh, students from those countries where you already have a kind of a certain relationship or, or at least an understanding of the way that the programs are offered and the training is, is completed. Um, so again, again I, as you said, I think there'll be some regulatory issues and some changes in the way that people think about uh, these problems. But I can't see a good reason why this wouldn't work. Might the good reason be <laughs> that, that we could, so we could set up a program, we could clear any of the regulatory burdens out of the way, we could set it up in such a way. And, and, and as, 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 as I'm saying this, I mean, I'm thinking I, I don't, I don't have any great insight into how the apprenticeship programs run. And somebody listening to this might say, well, actually, that is what we do. That is exactly how, how it works. I, I think most apprenticeship programs at least have some element of going onto campus still for them, but it probably doesn't feel like a huge shift for you know a, a, a for that for that to for that to evolve into a way that it was enti entirely entirely distance learning, and we could we could try and move away from the, the content focus and we could provide you know lots of, of opportunity for engaging kind of you know more free flowing um, conversational type approaches to learning active learning activities, um, but I think it would. Be probably a common experience that um, it can be that it can be challenging to get a, a whole cohort engaged and through that kind of approach online, and that that that's was something that most people again have probably experienced over over the last couple of years. Um, and again, my feeling is, and this, I'm not talking here from a healthcare perspective, but that people who you know have done more sort of you know entirely distance learning teaching that that is that's that's a, co a common challenge and a consistent challenge and so the way that you resolve that in 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 other settings maybe is is to to, to, to design the program in such a way that it doesn't require it and to you know to again for it to be about content content delivery and and then you know the 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 interactivity is individual interactivity that you it's not necessarily a requirement that, that you then you know, cr cross-reference with other people, work in a, as a group to produce something, you know, so the stuff that we would, you you, you wouldn't expect to see a, a physio program that didn't involve at some points in it, some element of group work, you know, activities that that require you to to kind of, you know, spit a task out between you and, and to consider other people's perspectives and ideas and pull it back together to present it or to, you know, to talk about it or something. And that we'd see that as being a, 
you know, like, again, some key learning that's happening within there is, is about how you work together as a team, because you're going to go into practice and be part of an MDT and, and need to see people's, you know, different sides. And, and often those, some of those activities could well be into professional activities that happen in, across programs on university. So, you know, when we try and do those kind of things online, we know it's challenging to get people to synchronously engage with stuff. We know it's challenging to get people to kind of equitably engage in things that are taking place asynchronously. And, and some of that has been, you know, a particular challenge over the last couple of years because it's been an emergency response and, and, and you know, people have been having to juggle a huge amount of other stuff going on in, in their lives. But it feels like it would be naive maybe to think that the, 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 the market of people who's going to be drawn towards a, a more fully distance learning program isn't likely to have things that they are having to juggle to you know and and so if you know the the, the way it, and maybe it just requires i was listening to a, a another podcast that was essentially talking about this like group, group working in, in in sort of distance learning um, um settings and that the, the way that you put people together in groups then has to consider things like when are you planning to do the work? You know, how do you want to be communicated by uh, with 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 other people in your group? And so, you, you know, you might have several groups, one of whom is predominantly communicating on um, WhatsApp, you know, and working on Saturdays and Sundays, and another that's doing it all by email, Monday to Friday, nine till five. And 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 that, yeah, you you've just got to kind of consider perhaps it's about having a, a just a, a, a much a much greater flexibility both to how students work and and what the outputs of that work looks like um you know so that it's it's about meeting learning outcomes that could be done in in a, a range of ways rather than having you know very um you know as a, a set a set lot of, of of activities or tasks that sort of everyone is competing at the same time in the same way to sort of progress progress through so again there's there's maybe those just pedagogical thinking otherwise what you'll end up what it, i could imagine what you'd end up with is is a very fragmented program that is a frustrating experience as as a student to be part of because you don't feel like you're either missing out on 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 some of that the opportunity to engage with other people um and you're wanting it or you're feeling like you should be doing it but you can't for whatever reason and and so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've not, again, I'm not coming up with any any great solutions or anything here. It's just a bit of a stream of, of consciousness. But um, you know, th those I guess those are some of the challenges that I I could can could foresee in trying to take that approach. You've raised many things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the things that you know, if I think back to what you were talking about right at the beginning, was um, this idea of getting students to engage uh, kind of equitably in the group learning kinds of dynamics in an online environment. But I think that we've just become so used to the way that these things happen in face-to-face -face spaces that we don't realize how unequal that uh, dynamic is to begin with. So I think it, it is more difficult to do that kind of asynchronous uh, um, group work online, no, no doubt about it. But you know, everyone knows, has that experience of the group of students who are not interested in engaging with anything that you're doing in the classroom. And if we then take the fact that most of the lecturing or most of the, the content that we are covering in the program is done through lectures, um, you know, 70% of the students in your class are not engaging, not cognitively, not in any way. So I think you know, we also need to be cognizant of the fact that the way that we do things now is suboptimal. 
Um, we're not comparing online with some gold standard. We're comparing online with the kind of least worst option that is available. Um, so I think a move to online needs to be considered um, and intentional. And, and I think that the, the problem that we will face is when we start to replicate the dynamics of our face-to-face -face environment in the online environment. Uh, we have to change pedagogy to ma match the, the channel that we're working in. And, and I think if we don't do that, then we definitely run the risk of students coming into this environment and saying, this is not for me. This is not what I signed up for. But I think that we can, um, with care, design environments that are engaging, stimulating, um, enable students to explore uh, their curiosity and to, to really stimulate learning at a much higher level than the way that we currently do things. And it may be that a move to online kind of triggers a, um, it's almost, this is a, a terrible, um, not analogy, but a, a ter terrible phrasing of it, but like a slap in the face to kind of wake you up out of your um, stupor, I guess, because it's so easy to just go along with, you know, the, the way that we do things. And it may be for students and for lecturers that a move online with a requisite change to pedagogy may be an opportunity for everyone involved to look at this with a you know, fresh perspective. Um, and so I, I do think that the tendency will be for people to move online and try to replicate what they do in face-to-face -face environments. And I think that that could be the worst of both worlds because you're adding the complexity of moving online um, and you're just bringing over what you can do better in a face-to-face -face environment. So I do think that what we have done over the last two years is uh, suboptimal, to say the least. Um, and I think that any serious conversation about moving any part of the program into an online space would have to almost start from the very beginning and say, what are the affordances of technology that we can use to address real problems that we face in the, in the curriculum and with the traditional teaching model? And how can we use technology to try and address some of those, some of those real challenges? If we're just going to move online because it's cheaper or faster, then I think that, that th those are not good reasons because then we, we leave the pedagogy behind and then student learning is, um, is uh, at risk. The other thing that we haven't really talked about is if we if we had to start a new school and say this is an online only school, we can attract students who have internet access and who are comfortable working in online spaces. If we take existing programs that are face-to-face -face and move them online, we risk disadvantaging the students in that area who would normally be served by that face-to-face -face program, but now have no options because there is no more face-to-face -face program. So if the University of Lincoln decides to take their apprenticeship program and make a significant part of it online only, doubtless there are going to be a group of students in Lincoln who are now not able to access that uh, apprenticeship program because they are you know, uh, not comfortable with technology, can't afford the technology. So I also think that we need to have that conversation about making sure that um, any move online isn't, not, isn't going to disadvantage anyone because you know, anything that we do is going to disadvantage someone. Um, but I think that that's also something to, to consider. If you're starting with a new program, you can attract only the people who are interested in that program. But when you're converting existing programs, then you, you have a local community who may then be, be left out in the cold. 
by your by your move. So yeah, I think I'd, I'd see it as being a a way of of opening access up to you know to to groups of people who who wouldn't have been able to access otherwise. You know, and and I say whether that is because it 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 appeals more to people who are already working or have other commitments. You know, yeah, you you're absolutely so so. I mean, I know we've we've had conversations we had conversations back at the the start of the um, lockdowns about. Kind of how if if we're moving stuff online in a in an emergency response, um, then what you need to do is is to ensure accessibility to ev- everybody, you know. And so, you know, yes, we don't do it synchronously. Um, you, you know, it should be low tech. You know, uh, it should it shouldn't be reliant on on people having high speed broadband and and you know access to to to, to whatever device you know specific devices or, or whatever it should be you should be able to kind of complete that work in whatever the context that you are are in because you've not signed up to it now i guess this this could cut both ways it, it, i think if you're clear about what it is that the what the program looks like i don't think that any one program has to has to meet everyone's needs because it it doesn't actually and it never will so to pretend it does is is you know probably not 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 correct um uh, and 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 so, you know, that is part of the decision making for someone to come onto the, the program, isn't it? You know, it's about being very clear, like what, how how it looks, and 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 if there are you know synchronous elements to that, or what what you need as a home sort of um, um, setup. You know, so it could be about space. It could be that there there are going to be you know sessions where, you know, we are it involves movement. So it's so not you know this isn't a distance learning program where everything you do will be, you know, all you need is a desk and a, and a computer, you know, um, because it, yeah, that wouldn't be how, what a, a physio degree looks like normally. And it's not going to be what this looks like. So, you know, though, yeah, I think it, it, it it's with all these things, it almost, requ- it would require, you know, much greater, cl- and this is, this is common, I think, isn't it across distance learning it re- to do it well requires much greater clarity and set up an organization beforehand. You know, you, you can't, you can't, just pull it together on the day and it'd be okay. You know, you have to have, you have to have laid the groundwork in, in a way that is, is, you know, definitely we talk about flipped classroom, but it's like the, it, it, the, the, the work of the academic in, in there is, is disproportionately more ahead of time in, in for, for, for good quality distance learning. And, and so that, that's fine, but it would take time to sort of set up and, and you need people to know what they're, what they're buying into, what they're coming onto. Again, otherwise the experience is going to, going to be poor and 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 not what people felt that they were sort of getting yeah. into i think there's something that you brought up now and just talking about that upfront kind of time commitment to make sure that this works well and it just reminded me of the, the this idea that um we when we compare distance learning to to face-to-face we often say that the the upfront commitment is significantly higher um because you have to you have to be very clear about what it is that students are going to be doing and how they're going to be doing it. And, and, and I think we forget that the same requirements are in the face-to-face environment. It's just that our students have had 12 years of socialization into what face-to-face learning looks like. So for 12 years, they've been walking into a classroom and sitting down in a desk and waiting for the teacher to arrive and the teacher then talks to you Imagine if you had to articulate the kind of social norms and the teaching strategy of a face-to-face learning environment, there would be a massive upfront time commitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of discount all of the, the training that students have had to go through to understand how a university works. Because 
a university works in much the same way that a school works. Students have had to go through an enormous amount of preparation to be able to just walk into a university classroom and understand how it works. So I think to compare those two and say that the, the distance learning is, is, is more, more difficult, in one way it is accurate because we, we're all trying to understand what this new learning environment looks like. But we can't just discount the fact that um, what we are currently doing didn't require an enormous amount of preparation and, and learning and upfront time commitment. And so I think that's something that we, we need to keep, keep in mind. Um, and, ma and maybe again, that is, is that an opportunity in there that because, because university broadly speaking looks like school, then the expectations of how university works are based on the expectations of how school works. And, and so, you know, one of the, the, the challenges that, that you know, we, we discuss all the time, isn't it, is, is how, how you get students to, to, to kind of adapt and change, you, you know, and, 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 you know, become university high, higher education learners at level, you know, four, five, six, seven, rather than, 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 than being school learners. And, and that, that is, that is difficult when everything about the environment, the institution, the organization of it screams at them, like, it's just like school. <laughs> so maybe, you know, just coming out of that and, 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 ha and starting in something which is immediately different and disconcerting and, you know, you, you don't know how it works, but what you, 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 that means that you don't carry the, the same expectations in there. So it's hard work learning some new things, but you've got a clean a cleaner break, um, and 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 so it's easier to articulate that again, as long as the the program is doing the work to explain what those things are and to to sort of walk, walk you through it. Um, it, it that could be a, a sort of you know a a, a, a a positive. I mean, I don't know. Do you, is this something? Do you think that is is that going to be any? It doesn't feel like that's going to change any. Like people aren't aren't. I don't think that the school leavers. Of the future, certainly in the next, you know, um, decades, I, I, I don't feel they're much. They're, they're not likely to come out any better prepared for a, a fully distance learning way of learning because that schools aren't really prepared. You know, schools are, are going to continue to teach in much the same way as, as they have before. So, you know, although you know, like we talk, we talk about you know people being sort of um, um, di digital natives and and having you know the skills of 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 did digital resources and technology but that actually and I think you know there's, there's plenty of, 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 of evidence out there that sort of says it doesn't that doesn't really correspond to how people learn on, on, online there's not there's not a huge difference actually between you know someone who's in their 20s or teens to someone who's older who's who's coming and learning digitally because although you you've have had more exposure to digital technology this is different you know how, how you're using it is is now now different um so yeah that doesn't it that feels like that's going to remain a, I don't know, a challenge or a, a, you know something that needs to be designed for, right? It's that's it's not that's not because this is a new approach. It, it's it's inherent in the switch. Would, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that students are going to be leaving high school, you know, in the foreseeable future, better prepared to deal with you know online learning any more so than they have for the last ten years. Um, but you know the UK is you know doing a, a massive amount of marketing around leveling up, and so maybe maybe we're on. Maybe this is the the big plan: is that schools are going to be graduating super learners. Um, <laughs> we can but hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I was uh, um, 
I came across this book uh, a couple of days ago. I think um, Dave Nichols shared it in, in one of his newsletters. It's called Creative Approaches to Health Education, New Ways of Thinking, Making, Doing, Teaching, and Learning. And it's, uh, it's edited by someone called Deborah Lupton, who um, is, is a, a really kind of deep critical thinker around um, some of the ways that we use technology uh, in our personal and professional lives. And um, uh, one of the things that she, I haven't, I haven't read the book, obviously, but um, talks about uh, talking about arts-based and design-based methods and artifacts as kind of uh, ways to change the way that students approach their learning. So talking about sculpture, dancing, walking, movement, diaries, paintings, drawings, zines, poems, creative writing, body maps, collages, stories, films, photographs, theater performance, soundscapes, potions, rock gardens, brainstorming, debates, secret ballots, murals, graffiti walls. Um, and, you know, I read that and I just thought, wow, that sounds amazing. Um, but it, when you were talking a little bit earlier about leaving students feeling like they're floundering, um, you know, lost. And I like the idea that we can give students opportunities to achieve the same learning outcomes through different paths. So you might want to demonstrate your understanding of a learning outcomes through, um, you know, spoken word performance and someone else might want to do a sculpture and someone else might want to write a 5,000 word essay. I, I like that idea. But it, when you were talking about the fragmentation of the curriculum, that might be the result of these kinds of more open-ended practices. It started making me wonder whether or not it would be a good thing to, you know, how much, how much of the structure can we take away before things just start falling apart? Um, and, and while initially the idea of all of those different types of uh, artifacts were super exciting to me, um, I wonder if, if it might be problematic um, if we're going to provide so much opportunity. And so obviously we don't have to give every student in every assignment the chance to do any single thing that they want. We might have to constrain it a little bit more, but I'm, I'm both inspired by those ideas. Um, and, and again, I, I've, I've not done anything more than read the abstract of the book, um, but it sounds like something I'd, I'd really like to get hold of. Um, but I, I kind of feel like that that moves us away from online learning to some extent. If we're talking about, um, you know, those kinds of physical experiences of of creating a sculpture, or, or 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 it's one thing to watch it on a computer screen, and another thing to watch it in in person. Hmm. I, I do think that there's a qualitative difference that isn't captured by watching something in a, in a two dimensional small screen on your laptop. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think that's where, you know, again, it, it, it would, it's about not seeing, not seeing distance learning as being the thing that takes place in front of the laptop, isn't it? You know, um, and that, I mean, as I was listening to that, that list, so like all, all of those are things that you could do at home or in the community, you know, around your, your, your home. And, and they, you know, they, in some ways, it might be easier to organize and to, 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 to set them up in 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 a in a classroom setting or in a, you know on on a university campus but that they are all they are all activities that you could you you, you know can can be individual or or group and that that seeing those things you know so so yeah i think there is something about the em, embodied learning you know the, the things we were talking about but that means just that you you have to you know as in order to get that learning you've still got to move around you know you've still got you've still got to 
you know practice and observe different people moving or, or whatever and you need to you know you need to have access to people to do that so th those are those are the problems that's like we kind of circled back around to where, where we started that we need to we need to you know that they are thorny challenges but then they're probably not unresolvable we just need to come at them with with a, a different mindset and that if that then allows us to kind of see some of those opportunities you know that you can see how several things start to come together if we if we focus more on the transformative learning rather than content if we allow a greater variety of things to, to meet learning outcomes and we haven't take an ungrading approach that you know doesn't require everyone to be doing the same essay or exam at the same point in time and, and us marking it you know to very rigid criteria um, but it's about you know have you have you shown over the course of this program that you have become a physio you know if, if we can nail down what that that transition is and you know then how you demonstrate it as long as we can see it it doesn't matter how you how you, 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 you how you demonstrate you you know that could be you know quite a a different and a quite a transformational approach to, to learning that this enables um at the minute it feels like some of the practical things particularly in for doing this at, at the pre-registration stage I, i'm not sure that i can see an easy route through that <laughs> at, at this point but i mean this conversation has been interesting for me and, and i guess it's it's kind of the particularly the stuff around like po postgrad and thinking yeah you know I, I, that's the stuff i could see you know, I think you sort of said there's no reason you couldn't do that now, and and I I, I I kind of am coming around to that idea now exactly how it looks. But I think it's exciting to think that it could be quite quite different. You know, give if you can, you know, if, if there's an institution that's kind of interested in it and and, and open to trying some something different, you know, in it uh, that that you'd very easily have a sort of unique selling point here. You know, that would be something to to, to try, and if you can attract people who get that and want to come along on that ride you know then it could be a, just a fantastic learning community and all of us you know again we've talked in the past about how do we establish that idea of, of a, a sort of a learning community if, if you can if that's what could happen here you, you know the crossover between you know a group of people who are just learning off of each other and that being a more formalized education setting but not so formalized that you're you're running a course in this way you know th these different concepts start to, to blend you know much much more together i think um, and that, that is, is an exciting thing too yeah i, I think that the, the idea that this could switch overnight to something that is um you know purely online um i don't i don't know how that's going to work but i feel like the, the the best move is to go towards some kind of transition phase where you are not replicating what we currently do in the traditional university but looking to see what other kinds of things that are not working very well and then trying to identify ways that we might address some of those problems using technology and using online learning. And, and I think if we take that approach and make sure that the student learning experience is always kind of the, the center of our focus, um, then I, I don't really see any real reasons why this couldn't work. Um, I think if we are going to take a kind of a, a mainstream distance learning approach and just swap out the face-to-face -face lectures with the online lectures, then, then I think that's when we start running into some real problems and we start seeing student learning kind of drop off and, and suffer because of that. Um, but I, I think that everything that you said at the end there is, uh, you know, it sounds great. And I, I wonder if we're going to start seeing institutions starting to move towards uh, that kind of provision um, in the next couple of years.
Cool. Well, thanks for the chat. It's been uh, it's been interesting as, as ever. Got we went down some um, dead ends, you know, but it's equally opened up some thoughts that I, I I didn't have coming into it. So hopefully it's done the same for, for other people. There'll be some things that you probably disagreed with, uh, some things you might have agreed with, um, you know. But uh, it would be I'd be interested to hear hear other people's perspectives on, on it and to sort of uh, pick that conversation up and, and carry it on in 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 other places too. Okay. Cool. Thanks very much. Shall right. we leave it there? Yes, bye. I think we've actually got worse at this. <laughs> we need to put this out. This is fine. This is like nice, isn't it? <laughs> Right, Michael. So I was um, I was keen to talk to you uh, about, um, or just have a bit a bit of a uh, can't do it. It'll never fly. <laughs> It'll never fly. No, this, no. This is the problem. This is the problem with trying to think things through, like in public. Um, <laughs> yeah, some some of your ideas are going to be crap.